0: Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you for joining me tonight for this week's episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of singleinthecity.ca, joined by my friend, TV host and philanthropist, the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. How do you stay positive and change your mindset when dealing with unforeseen challenges? Tonight we're joined by queen fashion nomad Miles Sexton, a talented makeup artist, HIV uh, slash AIDS and sobriety advocate, model and influencer who has made quite the mark on the Toronto and Canadian scene. Tonight, Miles will be opening up to us about his mindset change during some challenging times, also approaching relationships while being HIV positive and staying positive when things get tough. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Miles and Joan.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Okay, so, um, Miles, we'll start with you. Like, the past year has been a bit of a challenge. Uh, Lockdown has been difficult, and you're one year into sobriety, so congratulations on that. Um, A change that you made around the time that COVID hit, even though things have been tough you seem to always put out this positive energy and you encourage people to be themselves how have you been able to keep up this positivity through everything
2: i mean that's such a good question and, and just 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 you know so it was three years that i'm celebrating my sobriety so it's oh, three kind of years. Been like, yeah it's been just a kind of a part of this journey you know i you know, I think a lot of the time when we're facing like adversity and we're th- we're facing challenges within our lives, I really feel that, you know, we can either allow that to sort of like manifest within us, you know, and, and we, we kind of like let it spin and we let that kind of that those issues or things like really take power over us you know? And so, but I think that then there becomes a moment where there's a choice where, you know, I'm going to reclaim my power. I'm going to take this pain and and these emotions that I'm feeling, and I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to sit with them and I'm going to see how I can kind of take those learnings and really try to turn them into a positive thing. And for something as my, for myself, it's like, I've always tried to take my pain and share it publicly on social media in order to like, really help other people and like allow people to like know that there's other people going through similar things that they're dealing with um, themselves.
0: So Miles, you said your sobriety started three years ago and that there's that moment of choice. And I think a lot of people kind of get to that point and they're afraid of that moment of choice. What is it that puts you over to the edge where you really commit to Taking your power back, like you said, claim your own power and make that choice, whether it's stepping into sobriety or, you know, whatever that choice is. How do you get over that little, not a little, that monumental fear that stands at that moment?
2: yeah I mean, so that is like you know it really becomes something as you know I think sometimes we become complacent with like our you know where we're like we're kind of on this routine and where we've created these like scripts inside of our brain you know and and I think there just reaches a point where I feel like I'm not growing anymore and and that I've like I've spent too much time invested in something that's not serving me joy you know, anymore. And so I think that that's really sort of the turning point of like, no, I need to like create new habits. I need to create new routines within my life that are like allowing me to grow and move forward from, you know, kind of the repetitive behavior of my past. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and one thing that you talked about is focusing on self-care and making yourself mm-hmm. a priority after uh, leading a life that has been absolutely jam-packed. Um, yeah. Right. And I feel the same way. And you're definitely one who's always on the go and you're making moves. When COVID hit and things slowed down, you Mm -hmm. had to take a step back to reflect on the things that took you away from giving yourself that same attention. Mm -hmm. What was this realization like and, and how have things changed since then?
2: Well, it's so, I love that you brought this up because, you know, I think now being like, you know, I, I talk about my sobriety is like three years, but then I realized that kind of once COVID happened and I wasn't able to travel and like, you know, do all of the things that I was really doing with my work, I was realizing that I was almost using work a bit as like how I would maybe use alcohol or substances, you know, and so I became reliant on the constant go and the constant busyness of work. And then COVID was like, oh, no, you can't leave your house. You need to like you're working from home now, your entire career is like basically been flipped upside down. And so it was like a huge kind of moment where I had to kind of like sit and pause and be like, okay, I, I, I realized this pattern and behavior that I've like created. And now how do I like start fostering these better routines within my life that are just like focused on self-love? And I'm not talking about, you know, hashtag self-love. It's like, real genuine like me sitting with my heart and like listening to what my heart and my soul is saying of what I need you know and it, it, I think that thing is it's, it's really realizing the difference between temporary happiness and joy and it's like trying to really inject as much joy into my life that's consistent it's not just like me buying a piece of clothing and it makes me feel good for a second that's happiness sometimes you know
1: hmm. that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's a really good comparison, happiness, true happiness versus true joy.
1: Like, happiness can be very fleeting, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I have a question about the sobriety. So, what is the key to sobriety? I mean, like, what are the thoughts that go through your mind when you want to drink? I'm sure you still get them. Like, I'm sure when you go through through some, some down times or some difficult times, just like, Oh, where's that drink? Or I want that drink. And like, how do you get yourself out of that? Like, how do you get out of your head?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. You know, even though it's been three years in, it's like, you know, just just a few weekends ago, I was like, oh, you know, like, I kind of wanted to smoke a joint. And I was like, no, like, you you
1: can't smoke either.
2: No, I, I literally do nothing. I'm like...
1: <laughs> I guess one leads to the other, right? Like, I yeah, guess if you start getting... all
2: triggering, you know? Like, yeah. they, they're, they're all forms of numbing, you know? And for me, anyway. And so it's like, you know, I, I think it, it is. It's like, I, I really looked at, like, my behaviors and my actions. And, you know, when I, was, when I was kind of coming to, you know, accepting and healing with my HIV, becoming sober was kind of a part of that journey because... I felt like I needed to have some really difficult conversations with myself and really like go into areas of myself that I was very insecure and I had kind of suppressed a lot of like trauma from my childhood. And, you know, and I I didn't think that I could have done that not sober, you know, Um, so I really needed to have like be really clear headed. Um, So now I feel like when those urges sort of come back, I just really have to remind myself about how how beautiful I think my everyday life is, like without be- feeling like I'm relying on drinking or like smoking a joint or something like that, because it, I really see the world differently now and I experience things differently now too. And so I, I just, I kind of like check back in with myself. And I, sometimes I call them like the gremlins when they kind of come out to quote kind of Brene Brown. So it's like whenever the gremlins start bubbling up, I'm like, okay, thank you so much for like letting me know that you're there. But, you know, I, I you're not serving me joy, and I'm going to let you go back to, like, the depths in which you live. <laughs>
1: so.
0: so what other tools are you using? Like, you mentioned Brene Brown. Um, I know you've been doing a lot of reading. Are you doing other things like meditation and stuff like that? What tools do you have? Yes.
2: So my first kind of like, you know, when COVID first happened that year, that first year, I really focused in on like my fitness. I started running again. I just started like eating three meals a day. Like, you know, when you travel for work, it's like you're literally just like shoving food in your mouth when you have a second, you know, so it's like I just wasn't eating properly. I started seeing a natural path to really like work on my digestion and like some kind of food allergy issues that I'm having. And so that was sort of like one area of my life reading definitely like you mentioned Joan has been like a huge thing like really trying to get out there and like just expand my consciousness and my knowledge of like kind of maybe like my own issues within myself and and just getting some expert advice now this year I've kind of like tried to set you know the next set of goals so I've been really like I've been waking up every single day i've been like doing like a 10 to 30 minute meditation which meditation is super hard for me because i can't sit i'm very hard at sitting still i feel like my mind is very active so i've been doing me these guided yeah me it's too. tough it's really tough but i discovered this app called Insight timer and they give you like guided meditations on it um so i find that helps me focus my mind on like the voices of these people doing these guided meditations um, and then I've been journaling a lot too, like every single day, just like writing out how I feel. I'll be like, today I feel, and then I just start trying to write whatever I can. So these have kind of been some two new new things that I've been adding into my my routine.
0: Just on meditation, I just want to add. We I found this thing called Muse, and oh. you know I, I don't work for these people or anything, but it's really cool because it it measures your brain waves. And if you're just kind of listening to it, it sounds like a big storm is going on. But the more cal- the more you can calm your mind, all of a sudden you start to hear birds chirping. How does it, me- how does it so measure more, your
1: brain waves?
0: It's kind of like a headband that fits around uh, like your forehead. And it measures it that way. So the more birds you can get in the session, the better. So that's your goal. Wow. But I always start hearing, like, oh my God, I heard a bird. And I get distracted and I start thinking about that. And then the storm starts again. But it's really it's cool. Like there's something oh, really interesting. Cool Is
1: it free? Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, I had to get the device. I, I Like the headband is a physical thing, but I think they have one that you don't need the actual device as well.
1: I so think I, I don't know exactly, device, but it's so.
0: called Muse, and I know it's out there, so you guys should look that one up.
1: We are continuing our conversation about sobriety with Miles Sexton, model and HIV AIDS and sobriety advocate. We'll be right back.
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from SingleInTheCity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks
1: for joining us for the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta from SingleInTheCity.ca with Joan Kelly Walker and tonight's guest, Miles Sexton, chatting about creating the positive mindset you want in life through challenges. Here we go. Okay, so before
0: the break, we were talking about tools to claim your power, and Miles, you said you use fitness, food, you see a naturopath, you do a lot of reading, you know, consult expert advice, and we were talking about meditation and journaling, and my question is, like, I journal as well, but I kind of just write it out, and that's my therapy, I put it away. Is there something else that you would recommend, like, do you go back and reread what you've written, or is the act of journaling enough?
2: So I love that you asked this because I recently downloaded another another app. It's called Day One. And it's like it's like an app that's designed for journaling and you can kind of like categorize everything. Um, So so instead of like doing like a written journal, I I like that I can kind of just like pull up my phone wherever I am and just start like writing if I feel I need to. Um, But the kind of cool thing is, is that I've kind of created two journals. If I have a day where I feel that like I'm having like a breakthrough sort of moment or I'm like having an amazing moment of joy, I kind of put it in this one journal because I I typically will go back and reread them. Um, And I really kind of like in the title of the journal entry, I try to call out like what my focus was for it. Um, and then I kind of have another one where it's like my in-between days. I call them like my beige days where I'm just like, okay, today I feel blah, blah, blah. Um, those ones I don't really typically read that often. It's just more of like trying to like have a cathartic moment of just like getting out my emotions, I guess, for the day if I'm not like saying them out loud.
1: And and, and where did you learn that to do that, by the way?
2: I was encouraged, I think, by one of, like, my close friends who who started downloading this app. Like, he's also kind of on this, like, sober journey and is also an, uh, is HIV positive as well. And so we've kind of, like, I feel like we've been kind of, like, helping each other a little bit since we met last summer. And um, he really encouraged me to try doing it. And but it has—it really has only been something that started to really stick, I would say, like since the beginning of this year, I've been trying to like force myself to put this into a habit.
1: <laughs> oh, that's amazing that you're able to do that. Uh, I want to continue the conversation around sobriety. So what led you to make this change? Because it's a tough one. I mean, I've seen people close to me struggle with addiction and, and it's not an easy one to tackle. I mean, there's uh, ups and downs with it. Um... What has the journey been like for you?
2: I mean, I think just to kind of go back as like to what I was mentioning earlier it's it's just been really like I, you know I, I saw for the last ten years of my life that I was kind of on this cycle, you know, and i I was mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. I would like something traumatic would happen or I would have a stressed out day and I would like reach for a drink or I would want to smoke a joint and I just think that that became really frustrating for me because it was like I became almost reliant on it, um, that I needed it in order to like calm down. And I'm like, okay, I think that there's like other things that are like other tools that are out there that can allow me to like calm my anxiety and allow me to process through pain or, or sadness or, or depression that doesn't rely on me purchasing something or something that like numbs, I think, how I feel. Because um, I think the longer we like numb and we suppress, I think like the deeper, I think that those like kind of internalized issues become. So yeah, I just, I I reached a point when I found out, you know, I, when I became positive that I I was like, you know what, I need to like completely cut this out. I need to like have these hard conversations and I need to move forward through that, like with a sober mind.
1: Now, was it affecting your daily routine and, and life in general?
2: No, and I, and I wouldn't say that it would, was, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself like an addict in any way. I just like, you know, I, I think it was more this like sense of control, not, not control, but like, you know, it was just like, I, I felt like my, your brain, it's like you know, the animal part of your brain, like wants to do whatever is like the easiest, right? It wants to get you to safety the fastest. And I could, I just saw my brain at parts of like, you know, parts of moments in my life was just like, oh, I'm stressed out. I'm going to have a drink. And then I really like challenged and questioned why I thought that way. Maybe instead of going for a run or meditating or journaling, it's like why am I reaching for that drink? But it's just because I've created this script inside of my head that's you know really been fed by like society, you know, and just like how we've been raised to like you know we, we see it all the time in movies. It's like people are stressed out, they're having a bad day, they're like let's open that and have that glass of wine, you know. And so it's it's kind of something that I, I'm just trying to ch- I guess I'm challenging within myself. In my journey, mm-hmm.
0: there's probably a lot of people listening right now thinking like I can relate to that. I, yes. you, know, as, you know, for me, it's like I, I start cooking, like it's dinner time, and it's like, oh, I should have a glass of wine while I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like, I just totally. the right thing to But clearly, it's not. I don't need to do that every day. That's for sure. So, uh, so what advice would you give to someone if they're thinking of giving sobriety a try?
2: I would highly recommend reading a book. It's called The Unexpected Joys of Being Sober. I, you know, I read this book like two years into my sobriety and it like, I was just like, oh, I wish I'd read this like when I first started, because it's just like such a real story that the author Catherine kind of gives of like her journey of going through sobriety and like kind of her learnings. Um, Yeah, so I would definitely say like that would be like a huge piece of advice, even if you're like not ready to. To go on the journey yet, like read the book, and I feel like it will like help prepare you a bit for like that journey ahead if you do feel that you want to kind of get there or you know or just you know start limiting you know like the the amount that you're drinking all of the time. you know maybe you're like, okay, every Friday night I'm gonna have like one glass of wine versus maybe multiple ones throughout the the whole week and just like start like weaning yourself off if you if that if that's something that um, you think that you can do.
1: I, I tend to go in cycles. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like I um, will drink uh, quite a bit, and then I'll stop. And then again, something happens. <laughs> it's like I'll stop yeah. again, and then you're in this cycle again. It's like mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't feel like it's an issue for me, though. I still get up and do my work, and yeah yeah, exercise and do all that stuff. But still, yeah, like it, I do feel like when I'm not drinking, I have a much more clear mind for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for
0: sure.
2: And it's those moments, right? It's like, you know, when you feel that like, you know, something stressful is happening or that that moment where you like want to come up, it's like, you know, even if that first step is just like, okay, I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling this way and that I want to have a drink. And if you can like just even just acknowledge it even better if you can like do the opposite and go do something that's like, I'm going to go for a walk in the park or, you know, like it's just about like challenging your thought process. I think like in those moments and like doing the opposite, because then it like your brain is like, what, what's happening? Oh, okay. Maybe this is like what I should be doing instead. Right. Or this is just as easy as having a drink. as like going for a run, you know, just, just as an example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can distract your brain it could for me if I'm thinking, Oh, I'm cooking, therefore I should be having a glass of wine. If I think, Oh, I'm I'm cooking, but maybe I'll go upstairs and do something else first. By the time I come back, I would have forgotten.
1: Exactly. Or yeah. have a kombucha, pretend it's Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a wine glass. Sometimes <laughs> I do that though. I will trick myself. I'll have something like a kombucha, you know, something mm-hmm. funny and I'll put it in a nice glass and <laughs> then be like ah it's like I'm having a cocktail but I'm not, see. I'm
2: not totally and, buzz. and it's so good for
1: you right so uh, well, miles I don't know if you know but Joan cut out meat last yes. year
0: and, yeah it's been about nine months I started eating vegan and you know I was I, it wasn't that hard like it, it really hasn't been hard as a matter of fact, I think I've been eating much better and more consciously.
2: I so that. You know,
0: I, it I just makes
1: me more aware.
2: So I love hearing that you did this too. I, it's so good. It's the moment to do these types of things, right? We have like the world is on like has gotten hit like a pause button, right? So it's like so good to really, like take these moments to like invoke these kind of changes in our lives. So
1: I feel yeah. like Joan, if you can give up meat, you can give up booze. Yeah, yeah. That's, totally. so. <laughs> I can certainly do that. <laughs> So, Miles, uh, we're going to touch on a a different topic now. Um, You've tested positive for HIV, and you've been such an amazing advocate, helping to break down the stigma and misconceptions surrounding it. What made you want to be a voice for people going through this journey?
2: Well, you know, I think to go back to, you know, the the moment where we were kind of talking about reclaiming our power, you know, this was just one of those moments, you know, when I became positive, like, it devastated me, you know, I
1: I can't imagine my whole
2: world just like, you know, was I I, like when people say that they hit rock rock bottom, like, that's how I felt in that moment. And, you know, and so it was like, it was tough. It like, it, it really shook up and made me question my entire existence, you know, like, I felt like I worked so so hard the last like, you know, seven, eight years of my life to like be this like confident person that I was, that I, that I became. And then like, then testing positive, I just like, it, it went back to being that child self that was like super insecure and living in Nova Scotia and like, didn't, didn't feel beautiful and didn't feel worthy. And so, you know, when I was kind of going on this journey of my healing through HA of like, through HIV and like becoming undetectable, which means that I'm untransmittable. So it like basically the virus like has no effect on my body, and I can't transmit it to anyone. um I, I just was you like, can't, you know what? No, I you can't. No. I can't. no. Well, the that's modern,
1: wonderful. Crazy, Isn't that
2: for yeah? yeah, the advancements of like medical science are, are amazing now. You know, like people don't die from HIV. And that's, that's like the crazy thing is that people don't realize that this type of medication exists where, you know, like I could, you know, literally have unprotected sex with someone and it doesn't like, I couldn't transmit it to them. It's like literally impossible. So it's so cool. So, you know, oh, Wow.
1: I, well, that's I, good news.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's huge. Um, but, you know, so I really like, I, I just felt like it was such a lonely journey for me. Trying to heal, and like I I didn't couldn't really find other people that were positive, positive. and I just was like, you know what, I, I need to like reclaim my power again, and really just be that person that I wish existed when I was going through like the beginning stages of my healing. And so last summer, I think it was August, I publicly came out about my HIV status, and, and then have really just been trying to get involved as much as I possibly can with so many different organizations like Canfar, and um that are really trying to help people go through this kind of journey with HIV and get the awareness out there so we can fight the stigma.
0: And what was the reaction of your friends and family?
2: I think everyone was very surprised because I don't think a lot of them really knew that much about HIV and I was one of those people too, when I first found out I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know this medication existed and I thought I was going to die. So, (laughs) you know, I think we all had a very similar reaction to it.
1: Yeah, well, I I do know someone who passed away from it, actually. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just just a little story of my radio days, years, and like I'm going back probably over 25 years ago. One of of the first things I covered at Easy Rock, I used to do these heartbeat reports where I'd go out into the community and do all the events. And I remember Mm -hmm. going to the uh, Pride Parade. And uh, talking to the organizer, and this was when HIV was really rampant and there were no medications, and and the organizer said to me, all I want is a cure and my friend's back.
1: Mm -hmm. And, like,
0: that has stuck with me for all this time. Like, what a moment. So it's so incredible to hear that the medications have advanced this much, thank God. And, you know, God bless all the people that are out there Still having to deal with this and the stigma and everything so you know thank you for your voice miles wow.
1: we need to take a break guys more with miles sexton and living with HIV when we come back don't go anywhere
0: Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from SingleInThisCity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our guest, Miles Sexton. We're chatting about positivity and his sobriety journey. Let's get back into it. Okie doke. So, um... Just get, getting back to you living with HIV, how has your life changed since finding out you have HIV? Like, what are some of the most important things that you want people to know about living uh, as someone who is HIV positive? Uh, some or And maybe some common misconceptions that people have.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I think that's the reality that even I had to educate myself on was that basically I take a pill every single day and my life has like from like a physical standpoint has not changed at all. You know, this, you know, the, this medication like allows me to live a very normal life. And, you know, so I think that there is this kind of like common misconception that people living with HIV or, you know, like that, that they live into the extremity of like what happened in the 80s, you know, when we lost like 33 million people. Um, and so it's much different now, you know, someone living with diabetes has a much harder life than I do. But the downside is, is that the stigma from the 80s like still exists where people think that, you know, that they can, you know, get catch HIV from, you know, someone kissing them or someone serving them food or silly things like that. Um, so really, I feel like HIV, like my daily life, like really hasn't changed. But from like a psychological level, I feel that it's just really opened up my, my eyes to just this journey of growth within myself and wanting to just be the best version of myself, you know, from, I guess, in all acts, uh, aspects of my life. Um, so it's been very, like, transformative. As much as it was a very hard kind of thing to heal through, I, I, I'm kind of very grateful at the same time because it's allowed me just to, like, actually like, be the best version of myself that I, that I've always wanted to be.
1: And people mm. need to understand, right, that this could happen to anybody. So mm-hmm. many people have unprotected sex and nothing happens to them. And you just got unlucky. And, and, and people should, you know, stop being judgmental if they are.
2: Well, it's true. And, you know, and there's a thing with HIV is that sometimes it can take like up to three months to show up in your, like, if you, if you were to go get tested, right? like. It, it can take up to three months for it to even show that you have it. So it's you know, it's hard like because you try to have these like conversations with people and, you know, like being like, oh like what's your status or things like that, but you know, sometimes people don't know, you know, and it shows up later and, and so it's I, too late. You
1: know right? what? I heard that it can lay dormant in your body mm-hmm. for years.
2: It absolutely can. But you know, everyone it like reacts that. that's so differently. kind of
1: scary. Right? It so is. Like, you're going around and you think you're fine and you're having unprotected sex and mm-hmm. maybe you have H5V and it hasn't surfaced yet. Like, is it transferable then?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, even though, even if it's not like, if you're not showing symptoms or things like that, you still can give it to someone else, which is so crazy. And sometimes it takes years for you to even show symptoms. Um, you know, so it, it's really such a it's such a tricky, you know, disease when you're not on medication. Um, but what is something that is good is that there is like a new newer medication that came out that's called PrEP. And basically if you, you know, if you're like on your kind of sexual discovery journey and you feel that maybe you're gonna be having like sex with like, you know, more than just a partner, it is a medication that you can kind of take that protects you against getting HIV. Um, that that is out there now, which is kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I think for a lot of a lot of people, they are choosing to go on this like medication just to like protect themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't know that even existed. That's that's good to know.
2: Mm-hmm. And also, really you know, cool. it's
0: also really powerful to know your status. Yes. You know, so if you if you are having multiple partners, it is important to get tested
2: hmm. But it's so yeah. hard because I think a lot of people don't feel empowered to go get tested and to know their status, because, you know, I think for all of us, I'm sure we can relate. Like, you know, when we were in school learning about sexual health, it was taught through a lens of shame and so sort of like, you know, abstinence and like religion. And, you know, so it was you know it's created a lot of this internalized shame within us to just even like feel empowered to take care of our sexual health and then we may have also had experiences with our own personal like family doctor that you know might have made comments or made us feel uncomfortable when we do want to like try to take charge of our own sexual health because i feel you know sexual health should be a part of self love and, like, the way that we take care of ourselves the same way as we work out and the same way as we, you know, maybe we want to take care of our mental health or, things, or the, the foods that we eat. Like, sexual health should be a part of that. Or it's all part of the human body, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many other things that are sexually transmitted as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, people are still, like, afraid to talk about those things. So, no, you know, it's it's kind of crazy that here, like, these things impact us so greatly, yet I feel almost like in society we've recessed a little bit. Like, we're talking less about it than we were when
1: everything was rampant in the 80s. No, and I, I think one or, two, one or two out of five people actually have a transmitted disease
2: i would, never, that know, on, would
1: never know it. And you know what? Most people probably wouldn't even tell someone that they had a, a transmitted mm. disease. And they just go on and have sex with people. And that's how it spreads.
2: Yeah, that's so true.
1: It's, wow. It's,
0: yeah. That's a very disappointing thing to hear. You think, well, I don't know, I guess it kind of comes down to how much respect you have for that person. Mm -hmm.
2: I I think there's a lot of work to be done where we have to like change the language you know we have to like get rid of language like dirty or things like that that we use with sexual health and we need to like encourage people to feel empowered to take charge of their sexual health you know in in a way that's like from a place of love and like self-respect right so I think there's still a lot of work to be done we're going
1: to talk dating when we come back with Miles Sexton model and HIV AIDS and sobriety advocate we'll be right back
0: Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night and you're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. You're tuned in to Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest is Miles Sexton. We are discussing self-confidence and life after testing positive for HIV. And now we're going to talk about dating with HIV. Let's jump right back in.
0: So, Miles, when it comes to dating, how has this affected your life? At what point do you feel comfortable enough to share this information with a new partner? yeah I mean' very
1: personal question i know yeah.
0: it's good though I, I, it's kind of it, but they ca- it
1: but i guess if if they creep your instagram, they know' cause they that's do. how i and, found
2: out and that's something that's you know it's been it's been a new advancement i think in my dating journey with h i v um because you know i i think i was i was very afraid to start dating again you know i I've been single now for like three years on like over three years now, and it's you know, it was one of those things where I was so afraid to tell anyone that I was on a date with, but like legally, I have to, if I'm going to be like intimate with someone, I have to disclose my status. So, you know, it kind of became this like shame storm that I would like kind of be overwhelmed with every single time that I started like maybe getting like a couple of dates in with someone and I thought it might lead to something sexual. Mm-hmm. But I think through, like, a very, like, traumatic experience where I was on, like, a couple of dates with someone and I disclosed my status to them and they actually got, like, physically violent with me and it was just because they just didn't know anything about HIV and, like, they thought that I had, like, given it to them because I kissed them and, you know, that I I just, after I kind of, like, removed that person from my home, I... I just was like, you know what, I think I need to be, like, super upfront with, like, my status going forward to, like, pro- just to protect myself. So, you know, on the dating apps that I do use and, like, on my Instagram, I, I now, like, publicly disclose my status. And I think it's also easier for my own, like, mental health, too, because if someone's not interested in dating someone with HIV, then they're just going to swipe left, you know, versus, like, get engaged in the conversation. Well, where you
1: actually put that on your profile?
2: Yeah, I literally write it. I I write it on my on my dating profile now because it's just like I just feel it's safer for me. Um, I know. (laughs) And it's just like I just want other people to see it and like not feel ashamed. You know, it's it's one of these things I'm, I'm really trying to like fight the urge of allowing shame to have power over me, you know, and it's like by me, like questioning whether or not I want to like write it there. It's like, you know, it's like that's me allowing that shame to like have control over me. And I'm like, no, I am living wholeheartedly in my truth. And part of that truth is that I'm HIV positive. Um, and you're, yeah. you're probably
0: also encouraging others to add it to their profile if they're HIV positive. Yeah, like, there's probably yeah. a lot of people out there that are, are too afraid to add it. So Absolutely. I mean, that's great, you know, a great way to lend your support to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, sure you I had totally that crazy. terrible experience where someone got physical with you like that. That's terrible.
2: <laughs> it was very scary. <laughs> but
1: I think there are a lot of people, though, Miles, that still don't realize that dating mm-hmm. with the virus is a lot safer than it used to be.
2: No. So I think have that no idea. You,
1: but you might be missing out on some people that once they get to know you
2: mm-hmm. and
1: learn that, that they would you know, be willing to date you.
2: It's true. I, it you know. It's it is. It's like a it's a constant conflict that I have. I think within myself in that regard.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um. Because you know, like it is possible to have a healthy, and complete romantic relationship with mm-hmm. someone with HIV. You said something earlier about legally, you have to tell them.
0: So, who is is it? Your family doctor that tells you, like, okay, here's legally what you have to do going
1: forward, or like, how does that process work? Is it a social worker that steps in? You actually can get sued, Joan, if you don't Mm -hmm. tell someone and they contract it.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So it was my HIV specialist that I first saw when I was diagnosed. They kind of, like, walked me through and they said that, like, you know, if I am going to be sexually active, then I do need to legally disclose my status. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely become a lot more, like, blurred and, like, gray area now because of the medication, though, because, like, you know, so with my undetectable status, like, A lot of people feel that if they are undetectable, they don't need to disclose it. But there's still this, like, huge gray area in the legal department that it's like, you know, is that proper? Is that not? You know, I think that there needs to be, like, a new kind of updated kind of system in that way.
1: Now, have you ever been on an HIV-positive site, a dating site, and perhaps um, finding someone who also has HIV and then there are no issues. I mean, (laughs) everything just flows. Like, no, I'm just, I'm just asking, like. I,
2: I wish a site like that, like, fully existed. I feel like the kind of one that's out there is, like, more just for people, like, wanting to have sex versus, like, romantic okay. relationships, but uh yeah, I, I wish <laughs> it would be nice to have that commonality or that common thread I guess between both for of us.
1: In a perfect world, would you be looking for an amazing relationship?
2: With yeah, oh, I definitely like I you know, I dream of getting married and being with that one person for the rest of my life. like I still feel you like I have, have like, it. my values yeah I, I,
1: Manifest I, it <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am trying, you know um and, and for now i'm I'm just having a beautiful time dating myself. So <laughs> I think, like, we hold the power inside of ourselves to, you know, really to, like, love ourselves in the way that we, like, dream of someone else to love ourselves, you know? And and I think I'm really trying to live by that now and that if, like, someone does come into my life and is my partner, then there's, like, adding to that, like, love that I've already created for myself. So I'm, I'm dreaming of that. <laughs>
1: That's beautiful. <laughs> You are so awesome. Um, you you basically are an open book when it comes to relationships and, and what you share online. And you've uh, chosen to be so open, um, you know, when it comes to your life and, and how it has helped you build connections with other people. What would you want to say to others that are going through something similar?
2: I would definitely say that I think it's just it's really important to just like take a pause, you know, and really like look at, I think like everything that's happening in our lives and to not necessarily be afraid of, you know, the pain and the, like the emotions that we're experiencing, because I think sometimes those can be such a great teacher, you know, And, and also to not be afraid to ask for help, you know, whether it is just reading a book or it's actually going to see a professional. It's like, we need to like feel empowered to like do things for ourselves to like, allow ourselves to move forward and and I think it's like that that comes into this part of self-love that I think sometimes we don't recognize.
1: Miles, thank you so much for joining us this week. You're so inspiring, so amazing and thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people uh, learn more about you and get a hold of you if they'd like?
2: Oh gosh! Well, thank you for allowing me to be so vulnerable with all of you. Everyone can check me out at Miles with a Y and then Sexton S E X T O N on Instagram and all of the social medias as well as my website milesexton And
1: Joan, yourself?
0: I'm at joankellywalker
1: or on Instagram with joankellywalker official. And I'm obsessed with your Instagram, Miles. Obsessed. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> You're so thank rad. You. And and you can find me at official Laura Vellata on Instagram, Laura Vellata on Clubhouse, and singleinthecity.ca is my website. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week. Ciao.